0: Smart talk for curious people just like you. you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. And I'm glad about it. We are moving through these conversations today, squeezing this 80-pound show into a 40-pound bag. And I am delighted to have right now Congressman Ro Khanna with the Special Prosecutor. Uh, having issues with the president's uh, mental acuity, you recall that report the other day that basically called the president old and feeble with a bad memory. Uh, Rokana uh, doesn't see it that way. He says the president is completely mentally sharp and up for a second term. I am honored to have Congressman Rokana on this program. Congressman, how are you today? I'm doing well,
1: Travis. Thank you for having me on. It's a real honor.
0: It's good to have you on the program. Thanks for your time. So, when you say the president is completely mentally sharp, my first question is completely.
1: Travis, I just spoke with him two weeks ago. I was down in South Carolina. We were discussing the Middle East. Uh, now, I uh, have had uh, differences. I'm for a ceasefire and the release of all hostages, but the president was very engaged. He said he's pushing back on Netanyahu. Uh, And uh, this was a conversation in a in a rope line. He paused and was talking for a few minutes. And I saw him again two weeks later at the House uh, Democratic retreat. I think if you talk to people who have actually sat down and had substantive conversations with the president, they'll tell you he is on top of the details, and this is just a Republican attack on him.
0: Yep. there, there. I, I want to talk in a moment about uh, your view, um, uh, well, his point to you, that he's pushing back on Netanyahu. I uh, just had a conversation earlier in today's program uh, about uh, progressives who are pressing the president uh, right now, pressing him pretty hard on uh, uh, this uh, decision by Bibi Netanyahu to push into uh, 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 Gaza even further uh where these uh palestinian uh, civilians are are just kind of everywhere uh rafa and um President Biden told him not to do it. He did it anyway. So I'll come back in a moment to this notion uh, that the president told you that he's pushing back on Netanyahu. I want to see exactly what he told you and what you make what, what you make of that. Um, but uh, to your point earlier about this being a Republican attack, uh, there are those, uh, and I would be one of those. Let me just be clear about that. I am one of those who thinks that this one line, this one sentence in this report was, in fact, an attack on the president. It was unnecessary. It had nothing to do with the... Uh, job he was given to decide whether or not the president ought to be prosecuted. That line was there for a particular reason. I didn't like it. I thought it was hitting below the belt. That's my read. What's yours?
1: Thomas I completely agree with you, I mean, look, you don't talk about someone's dead son mm-hmm.
0: and we
1: we know people who've gone through grief, people deal with it differently. Some people remember the exact day and time, other people block it out and don't want anything to do with it, but that has nothing to do with what he was investigating, mm-hmm. which is uh the president taking these uh documents and uh, uh and and and, and, went, and the he found that the president didn't do anything. Uh, illegal. That was, that was the, yep. the bottom line that the president, uh, had taken documents. They inadvertently had, uh, a couple of classified information documents. As soon as he discovered that, unlike Donald Trump, he cooperated and gave them, gave them back. And that, that, that the headline should have been, special counsel exonerates mm-hmm. President Biden. I, I, instead, the headline became, Uh, About his age, and and the special counsel knew what he was doing. It was a political shot.
0: Yeah. What 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 do you make of the fact that that did in fact become the headline? Is that going to is um, Is this issue going to be damaging to the president? Uh, And I want to ask him in a moment about what you made of his decision to so hastily call that news conference at which he made another mistake. But but my my first question is, um, what do you make of the fact that that became the headline?
1: I'm not going to lie. It's not good. I Mm -hmm. mean, we live in a superficial sort of media-oriented culture where the way someone talks and the way someone looks is uh, uh, very important to being uh, elected. It's no longer a time where you could be FDR and uh, be on on crutches, and and, 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 uh, that's not going to matter. And Mm -hmm. so we have to deal with this head-on. And the way to deal with it is I think the president— it, the side of the president that we see privately, more people in the country need to see that. That means the staff uh, should allow him to go out there. Uh, I thought it was great what he did in North Carolina where he went to that family's home and he sat down with that young man who had mm-hmm. his student loans forgiven. Uh, he's got to do more stuff like that, get him out and, and let people see the real
0: Joe Biden. Uh, as you recognize, though, um, you've, you've campaigned uh, quite nicely yourself over the years. Uh, the more you get out, the more opportunities there are to be seen on camera making mistakes. So how should the White House manage his schedule as he campaigns for the White House between uh, for re-election between now and November?
1: you. You got, you have to be, people forget mistakes, you know. I was. Right. I made a mistake, I misspoke, I said Travis, instead of Tavis, doesn't mean that I never come <laughs> on your show again, I, I come on your show, you own it, you know, people are human. Now, if I was Joe Biden, they'd say, oh, he's going got doll he doesn't know who Tavis, and of course I know who you are, but you just mispronounced something, because mm-hmm. something's on your mind, so right, so th- that's the nature of talking, but I think people are looking for authenticity. People are looking for folks who are willing to go out and if they make a mistake, they admit it. And, 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 but where's your heart? And Joe Biden's heart, I'll tell you, his heart is for the American people and for working folks. And it's not for Donald Trump's heart is for these these massive tax cuts. But the one thing that, if there's one message that I, being down in South Carolina recently that I think the Democratic Party needs to talk more about that we're not talking about, and that's wealth generation and intergenerational wealth generation. And how are we going to have a vision for building new wealth for young people so they can own a home, so they can start a business? I represent Silicon Valley. It's $10 trillion of market value. A lot of people want new opportunities for wealth. Trump has sold a bunch of false propaganda about Mm -hmm. that. But our party needs to have a real plan for that.
0: No, I, I, First of all, I love guests who think fast on their feet. Uh, Ro is uh, one of the best. Uh, I love the example of Travis versus Tavis. And um, we all make that slip up. Tr- trust me, I've been called so many things. Uh, I'm used to it. Just don't call me late for dinner, as I say. But I love your point <laughs> that because I slip up and say Travis when I know your name is Tavis does not mean I'm now. But if Joe Biden had done that, they'd say he's now. He, he doesn't know who Tavis actually is. It's a powerful point, and, and I take it. Let me, let me ask ask you whether or not you think the white house was wise i've been on the air um a couple of days now saying i'm not so sure i like the idea because <clears throat> because I, I felt they were being defensive i mean the, he, the guy said what he said and the way you disprove that is to just do what you do but but they they jumped so quickly to call this press conference and then the president mistake uh, mistook the president of egypt for the president of mexico that became another headline you think they moved too quickly to be uh, being defensive on that issue
1: yeah, as I do. Look, I was the president was at three thirty. The president was with us in Virginia speaking to House Democrats, right. uh, and then he has to get back to, to Washington. Uh, he comes. To, it's it's seven thirty at night. Take the, take the day to to, to just cut, to you know sit on it and then mm-hmm. do something in the morning mm-hmm. uh, when you're fresh. And I and don't be defensive. I mean, talk yeah. about your record and you, you know one of the things I I was totally opposed to President Reagan, but he made his age. Uh, uh, a, a sense of humor. And right. I, I i was talking to Teddy yeah. Hoyer. He said, yeah, both of the candidates are a little too young for, for me because Teddy's in his 80s. But I think we he could diffuse it with his humor, with uh, with substance. He, he, we don't need to see uh, anger from the White House because def- that just shows defensiveness.
0: Yep. To your point, Ronald Reagan had a great line. I remember it like it was yesterday. He basically said, he basically said, uh, uh, if you don't hold my age against me, I won't hold your youth and inexperience against you. It was a great line, and it worked, it worked remarkably well. Uh, of course, Joe Biden can't use that line. He's running against another guy uh, who is not so youthful uh, and, frankly, had no experience before he became president. And when he was president, the experience that he did have didn't aid or, or abet us in any meaningful way. I digress on that. We'll continue our conversation with Congressman Ro Khanna when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. More of Congressman Ro Khanna right now on Tavis Smiley. I'm delighted to have him on this program uh, between now and the top of the hour. So a few more minutes to cover a few more things. You mentioned earlier, uh, Congressman Khanna, um your conversation with the president the other day. And he said to you that he's uh, pushing back on Netanyahu. There are many who don't exactly see what that pushback looks like. Uh, let me take you back to a conversation I had earlier on today's program where we were discussing this and how progressives, uh, of which you I think are one, you are a progressive, but progressives are pushing harder and harder on this president, given that he and everybody else told Bibi Netanyahu not to go into Rafa. He ignored us. He went in there anyway. And the question I posed to a guest earlier that I now want to pose to you, really a two-part question, uh, one, in what ways do you see the president actually pushing back? on netanyahu that's what he told you he was doing number one what's the evidence of that number one and number two um how do you explain that we keep telling bb don't do this don't do this don't do this he keeps doing this 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 and that and yet we keep sending him weapons i pass the mic to you sir
1: because i uh have no doubt the president did tell uh bb uh, that uh, he needs to do more to protect civilian lives; that he shouldn't go into rough up. But I agree with you that the rhetoric isn't enough. I mean, let's be very clear-eyed. Right? Bibi and Ben Gavir, extreme right-wing government, they're to the further to the right than Donald Trump. I mean, Ben Gavir is talking about the mass expulsion. Of Palestinians from Gaza and the West Bank, he's sitting there as the national security minister of Israel. And how dare he insult our president? He has criticized Joe Biden. He has insulted Joe Biden. How dare he uh, do that when we are be we have provided so much aid over years to, to Israel? So I I believe that uh, the president needs to call up uh, BB and tell him time's up. You know, end the war. Uh, and uh, he did that in 2021, where. Uh, Netanyahu within hours stopped, uh, Reagan called Benakam Begin when Lebanon was going on, and Begin within hours stopped, and that's why there are about 60 of us who are saying we need a permanent ceasefire and a release of the hostages. I believe the president has the power you, to do that, and we're going to continue to push.
0: You on you serve on the House Armed Services Committee. Why do you think the president hasn't done that? And if Rafa is a red line that uh, Bibi uh, crossed anyway, then what's it going to take for the president to do that? Why has he not done it? And what's it going to take for him to do it? I think it's going to take
1: uh, more members of Congress, more progressives speaking up. We're up to about 65 now, and I, I think if we get to 100... Uh, that uh, And and the activists, I think, uh, at some point, uh, he will. I know the president's frustrated with what Netanyahu's done. Look, everyone condemned the October 7th uh, terrorist attacks on Israel. There was huge sympathy. Uh, and had Israel gone about doing this and getting the Hamas perpetrators who committed those attacks, uh, they would have the world on their side. But Netanyahu and his extreme far-right wing have bombed, uh, innocent children and innocent women. Over almost 30,000 people have died. The entire world has condemned that in the, the Security Council. Uh, and I think the time has come for a, uh, for a ceasefire. And, you know, the, the truth of it, Travis, is that a lot of the, Black and brown members of Congress right now are the ones who are, who are saying it, but uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're, are the coalition is growing.
0: Yep. When we come forward in my remaining moments, I have about three or four minutes left when we come forward. I want to ask uh, Congressman uh, Ro of two things. One, that I, I mentioned a moment ago, but I want to ask him just a point blank and direct question. Uh, again, he serves on the House Armed Services Committee. Why do we keep telling B.B. not to do this, that, and the other? B.B. Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel. We say don't do this. He keeps doing it. And yet we keep sending him arms. We keep sending him weapons. That doesn't make any sense. You tell somebody not to do something, but you keep sending them all the weaponry they need to do it. There's a disconnect there. Can you explain that, Congressman? I want to ask you that when we come forward. And I also want to ask a question about um, Silicon Valley. You mentioned earlier you represent Silicon Valley, and I know you've been pretty aggressive uh, in calling for what you see as a new economic patriotism. To create jobs in these industries of the future, which you think uh, can have the effect of sort of unifying our country. I want to talk about your agenda uh, before we wrap this conversation. I'm Tavis Smiley. He is Congressman Roe Conner, and we're glad to have you tuned into this dialogue. All the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like freedom. Everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Smiley coming your way right now. More right now. Well, of Congressman Ro Khanna coming your way right about now. i got about three minutes left in this conversation. Congressman uh, Khanna, it is one thing uh, to tell B.B. Uh, uh, to not do this, that, or the other. But while you're telling him what not to do, you're still sending him weapons of destruction. Can you square those two things for me?
1: I cannot. We should not be doing it. I gave a speech on the House floor. Saying uh, why I voted no on the seventeen uh, billion in Israel aid, it went viral on TikTok, and I don't think uh, we should be just shipping these uh, arms when uh, Netanyahu is uh, ignoring, blatantly ignoring the president.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, here um, you you mentioned earlier uh, in one of your previous conversations in the last few days with uh, President Biden, um, this this notion uh, that you have, which I think is a good one. Uh, that we need to find a way to create um, a new economic um, model, if you will, uh, for creating jobs in these industries of the future. You represent Silicon Valley. That's part of your district uh, in the house. Um, What say you about the way we actually accomplish that, though?
1: Well, I've got a district that's got $10 trillion of market value, Apple, Google, NVIDIA, Tesla. We've got a create those opportunities in communities that are locked out, a modern wealth generation. So I've created partnerships, for example, with Google and uh, Benedict uh, at College, uh, which is at HBCU, Zoom, and Claflin, that provide $5,000 scholarships for young folks, and then they get a $65,000 job. We've got to be funding far more of the startups uh, of people uh, in communities that don't have access to capital, and we've got to create new industry, new steel, clean steel, new semiconductors, new battery plants in uh, places across America. The the difference we have is that a lot of the wealth generation opportunities are concentrated in a few places, and mm-hmm. we haven't done enough to, to, to spread those opportunities.
0: Yep. Silicon Valley does not look like the country... Um uh, is is um the way, the way the country does put another way as you well know we are we are headed inexorably toward that day not too far into the future where for the first time ever, this country will be a majority minority. That is to say, people of color will outnumber our white uh, fellow citizens. Um, But you know exactly what Silicon Valley looks like. So what is the disconnect that Silicon Valley has to uh, diversity, inclusion, and to your point, creating jobs um, uh, for people of color in these industries that do represent the future? What's that disconnect about as you see it?
1: Well, I think there hasn't been intentionality. I mean, since Reverend Jesse Jackson, they've been talking about the lack of diversity in Silicon Valley, but Mm -hmm. we will never overcome the racial wealth gap in this country if we don't overcome the racial wealth generation gap. The good news is now some of the Indian-Americans are uh, rising up, and the Indian-American community owes their existence in America to the Civil Rights Movement that led to the Immigration Reform Act, why my parents could come here. And I've gotten some traction with some of the Indian American leaders saying, look, we've got to partner with the HBCUs. We've got to invest in uh, black and brown uh, small businesses and startups and entrepreneurs. And if we do that, if we become actually the party that leads the wealth generation, new technology, new entrepreneurship opportunities across this country and for community shutout, we would easily defeat donald trump i think we don't have a clear economic agenda for young uh people in in communities of color of how they're going to own a house how they're going to build wealth and that's they have the same aspirations as anyone to, to have the american dream and they need we need to do better to give them the pathway for that
0: i couldn't agree more and we need to figure it out sooner than later he is congressman Ro Khan, who i've been honored to have on this program congressman all the best to you thanks for your time sir Thank you.
1: Real honor, Tavis. Thanks for having me. Hope to be back.
0: I look forward to it. Good to have you on.